I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. You'll recall a few episodes ago uh, when I was talking about Chris Ariola's knockout of Seth Mitchell that I was saying that while heavyweight boxing wasn't the most exciting division in the sport, that it seemed to be making a uh, slow and steady crawl out of the funk that it was in. Sadly, uh, the division was dragged back into the abyss with yesterday's title fight in Moscow between champion Vladimir Klitschko and Alexander Povetkin, which was a 12-round domination by Klitschko, but also a 12-round stinker. Now, I was expecting Klitschko to win the fight based on his experience and his level of domination over the past, you know, eight years or so, but... You know, maybe Povetkin would be able to put up a fight. However, when you knock a guy down four times, like Klitschko did, and three of those knockdowns were in the same round, then you should be able to finish him off. I I know that Vladimir Klitschko is 37 years old, but at the same time, it's not like Povetkin was doing anything that was uh, really putting him in danger, either. I don't know. I, I was following it blow by blow on Twitter, and after the seventh round, again, Klitschko had Povetkin down three times. I wrote, I think it was around the eighth round, that somewhere up in heaven, Emmanuel Stewart must be shouting that Klitschko had to knock him out and that he did need another boring decision. And I don't know what the, uh, the referee was thinking, but if a guy is losing a one-sided bout and getting punched in the face over and over, and then he's knocked down three times in one round, what need is there for him to be taking more punishment? Why not just stop the fight and say, no, that's it, you've had enough, you can't do anything to hurt him at this point, that's it. And What was his corner thinking, I'd like to know. I mean, I haven't seen the fight. I've only seen, you know, limited YouTube clips, but based on what I saw, it's just like, what is the point of this? So once again, an overmatched opponent for Vladimir Klitschko and heavyweight boxing is once again seen as the division with the least potential in the eyes of many boxing fans. Uh, some are saying that now is the time for Deontay Wilder to step up and challenge for the title, but don't expect that fight to happen anytime soon. Wilder is under the Showtime Al Heyman Golden Boy umbrella, and making a fight between him and Klitschko would be exciting, but also very difficult. And, unfortunately, there's going to be a delay in the Tyson Fury-David Hay fight. Uh, Hay suffered an injury a few weeks ago, and now the fight is delayed all the way until February of next year. I mean... Just when it seemed that like uh, the division was going to be warming up and getting exciting, it just cools down like like a hot or not hot, but like just a dead winter chill. It's it's really sad, unfortunately. But what was not sad was uh, Miguel Cotto, who is a year older, but but looked like the Miguel Cotto of old last night when he knocked out Devin Rodriguez in the shortest victory he's had in three, or I'm sorry, the shortest victory he's had in the past 10 years. It wasn't, uh, Devin Rodriguez was not an opponent on the level of Austin Trout or Canelo Alvarez, but this was a test for Miguel Cotto. He had lost his previous two bouts, uh, 
last year to Austin Trout and Floyd Mayweather, and people like me were uncertain if he had much left. Uh, you know, like I said before, he may be 32 years old, and he is a bit of an old 32 in my opinion, but he, did, he didn't look old. He just looked like the Miguel Cotto of old. And he, he looks spectacular in knocking out Delvin Rodriguez. I've heard some fans say that the uh, stoppage came a bit too early. I think it was about maybe you know less than 20 seconds into the third round. But at the same time, Rodriguez was definitely outmatched. He had no answers, and he was on the ropes against Miguel Cotto. And that is the last place you want to be. So... Now the talk is about making a fight between Miguel Cotto and Canelo Alvarez. Uh, that fight looked like an inevitability uh, a year ago when Cotto was going in against Austin Trout, but as we saw, it wasn't meant to be at the time. Now, Cotto has said that uh, he would like the fight, but Top Rank and Golden Boy would have to come together to make that fight happen as, you know, Cotto's with Top Rank and HBO, Canelo obviously with Showtime and Golden Boy. It would be nice to see that fight happen. If the two promoters can allow their egos not to interfere with what the fight fans and the fighters themselves want. And also, it would be a great event. You have one, you know, rise... I don't want to know if... I'm not sure if Canelo at this point is a rising star, but he has star power. And you've got Cotto, who is an obvious superstar. Both, you know... Both are proud warriors, one's from Mexico, the other's from Puerto Rico, and those countries love to fight each other, so why not? I mean, I hope it can happen sometime next year. So, uh, with that out of the way, let's move on to the latest episode of 24-7 in the lead-up to the upcoming Bradley Marquez fight, which is taking place, uh next Saturday. I just want to compliment HBO by doing the smart thing and limiting these uh, these to just two episodes instead of the standard four. Obviously, someone at HBO has been listening to the podcast and taking my words to heart. The episode uh, starts... You know, here's the thing. They actually uh, show some new material before the opening credits. Uh, you'll recall that Bradley was worried about Marquez's strength and conditioning coach and uh, his past dealings with steroids, and Marquez's response was that Bradley should come train in his camp and see that it's all hard work. Bradley uh, Bradley had a nice uh, little reaction to that. So what did you think of the show? Kind of made me laugh that Marquez first off says he's going to beat me, he'll knock me out, then he fucking talks about inviting me up to his training camp. That I need to come train with him to look like him. The fuck out of here, man. Come on, dude. Look at this. Now, you can't obviously see it because you're listening to a regular podcast. And But a- anyway, uh, Bradley's, uh, Bradley's lifting up his shirt and showing off his six-pack, which, oddly enough, looks like a darker version of my own six-pack, I would like to note. I've had this since I was 11 years old. You need to come to my camp. You in trouble, man. You in trouble. So the episode opens, and we see that Bradley, after years of training at uh, his local Boys and Girls Club, has uh, developed a training facility of his own where he, he can go whenever he wants. Ah, uh, damn, got the logos on the bag too. Welcome to the Bradley Gym, hey. sir. It's a nice looking spot, to be honest, and it's got his uh, 
you know, like like he said, he's got it's got his uh, Desert Storm logo on all the punching bags. There's a big uh, painting of him on the wall. I'll be honest, it makes me sad that there aren't a lot of uh, boxing gyms that I know of in Calgary, or that I simply don't have the time to, uh, you know, train there like I do, or the means to get to some of them, unfortunately, but whatever. Meanwhile, we transition to Juan Manuel Marquez, who believes that Bradley's doing a lot of talking and talking because he's afraid that he might lose his title, and... I don't know. I'm trying to remember the last 24-7 that uh, Bradley was in. That was against Pacquiao. And I'm trying to think, was he always this talkative or... I don't know. He seems to use a lot of profanity that I'm not allowed to use on the podcast, unfortunately. But I don't know. It just seems that he's a lot more talkative, trying to show a personality of some kind. But hey, it's working. It's making for good television. But uh, as I said... Uh, Juan Manuel Marquez is thinking that he's talking this much because he's afraid he's going to lose and lose his title and that Marquez is taking this as seriously as he took his first professional fight. It has been more than 20 years since Juan Manuel Marquez's first professional fight. And after 55 victories and titles in four weight classes, one might expect him two hours before dawn to still be sleeping peacefully at home. But instead, he is here. In a dreary rain, thousands of feet in the air, on the volcanic mountain of Nevado de Toluca, embracing the pain and savoring the familiarity. Marquez then brings up a very good point. He, he talks about how he likes training because boxing is so hard. And he says, this, it's hard even when you train. Imagine how hard it would be if, if I didn't train. While the early morning run reveals how solitary the pursuit of greatness can be, the scene at the Romanza gym a few hours later provides a look at what that greatness can inspire. The Romanza gym right now is just filled with uh, young men who are trying to hone their skills and maybe one day be as great as Juan Manuel Marquez. It kind of reminded me uh, when I was uh, living in Windsor and training with Mary Spencer. One weekend there was, it was either the provincial or the national championships in Windsor and I remember the week or the week after that it was probably a Saturday and on a Tuesday I was back at the gym and there were all these new faces because it had made the paper it'd been on the news so boxing has that ability to inspire confidence in a lot of people they then talked to Nacho Beristain Marquez's trainer who uh, admits that he believed that uh one one ego may have gone to his head and that he uh, wasn't taking training as seriously, but Marquez says, no, 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 I still was, but, you know, after the fight, I wanted to relax, I wanted to spend time with my family, I don't blame him, you've gotten the victory of a lifetime that nobody thought you would ever really get in that manner, so if you want to take a little break, by all means, I think you should, but he's assuring the viewers that, no, 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 I'm still the same guy, I've still got my feet on the ground, and I know what's ahead of me. And the plan against the latest opponent calls for a well-balanced attack rooted in a variety of the sport's fundamental principles. Marquez's plan of attack is to match Tim Bradley's speed, and Tim Bradley is an awfully uh, fast fighter with his hands, but they want to match his speed and they also want to make him miss. Because Nacho's theory is that when Bradley misses, he panics a little bit. So basically it's going back to one of the most fundamental rules of boxing, hit and don't get hit. 
So we cut to Tim Bradley and uh, one of his new training methods, which is using a hyperbaric chamber. I'm always trying to recover faster. I've seen a lot of football players had these hyperbaric chambers. I started doing a little research and, you know, anything injured on you, on you whether it's brain, uh, whether it's chronic pain that gets a massive amount of oxygen into your bloodstream, that causes you to heal, to heal faster because oxygen needs to get to those, those parts of your, your body. It works. It really works. And I wish I would have known about the hyperbaric chamber like years ago. It does give me a lot more energy. Like right now, I'm like, where's Jada? I'm ready to go play. I'll be honest. When I heard that line, I thought, oh, he's talking about his wife. It's like, oh, wait, no, his wife's name is Monica. So it's actually his two-year-old daughter that he's talking about. And while you often see a lot of fighters uh, kind of live a Spartan lifestyle and they go away from their families during training camp, Bradley keeps uh, his family life and his boxing life close by when he's in training camp. I'm focused at home. Uh, my family's there, my wife is there, my kids is there. It just motivates me, man. It motivates me. He trains really well when he's at home. He knows how to put that boundary between work and family. They let me rest up. You know, they give me my space when I need it. Bradley also serves as a coach for his uh, son's football team, which his son his son will happily admit, you know, I've told him, you should be at home training, but Bradley will say, no, no, you guys need me here. But at the same time, Bradley looks like he's having a good time there. So we transition back to Mexico, and we see Marquez's training and, uh, or not training, sorry, strength and conditioning coach, uh, Angel Heredia, going for a late night slash early morning workout with the champion. We also see that Bradley has incorporated a three-hour yoga session into his workouts uh, several times a week. And he does that because he says it helps him work on his breathing, it helps him relax, it also helps him recover quickly. I don't know of too many boxers that actually incorporate yoga into their normal workouts, but it's interesting to see if that's something that other boxers will do in the future. So once again, uh, transition back to California with Bradley, and we see obviously what we've known for a long time about Tim Bradley, that he trains like a beast, like, like he's a man possessed. Tim trains extremely hard. The only problem I have with him is him overtraining because he overdoes it. Yeah. All the bad boys out there. You know what I'm talking about, I'm a bad boy. That's it. He wants it so bad that uh, I have to hold him back. That's why I have to balance his training. In order for him to perform, he has to be uh, get the, the right training and the right rest, the proper rest. I can only imagine how hard that is for Joel Diaz to tell Bradley, okay, enough's enough, you've, you've done enough for today, now just take it easy and come back tomorrow. But no. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I can only imagine how tough it is for him because Bradley seems like a workaholic. And as you, you see later on, his father is a workaholic too, and he's pressuring him just as hard as Bradley is himself. I'm not trying to burn out before I get there. Oh, that's, that's your brother in law or something? Hit this There you go. That's it. You make a move, don't waste a fucking move. You make a move, make him pay. That's it. Sometimes it's hard between between him deciding either to listen to me or listen to his father. Ray does not have limits. Tim's father is a tough man. He really wants Tim to be at the best shape of his life. 
watching uh, Bradley and his father and hearing Joel say, sometimes I don't know if Tim's listening to me or listening to his father, it kind of reminds me of stuff I used to see at amateur shows where um, a fighter would you know, be in the ring and there's the parent from all the way across the hall, you know, shouting advice, you know, to do this and do this. And you can hear the trainer outside trying to say, no, 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 like do this, do this. So it, it seems like this would lead to a big conflict in camp, but for the most part, it does seem like it's under control in the Bradley camp and that everybody knows their place and that, uh, Tim's father isn't trying to usurp Joel Diaz. Once you're in condition, your body lets you know your limits. The stuff I do is just mind control. Make sure everything is flowing. Mind, body, soul, and hard work. So once again, we go back to Mexico. And now I'm not sure if this was mentioned in the uh, other 24-7s, but we learned something interesting about uh, what Marquez's family does while he goes to the United States because he's getting ready to leave soon. For each of Marquez's previous bouts in the United States, he elected to keep his family behind in Mexico City. Now, I did not know that, and I honestly thought that Marquez's family was in Las Vegas for his last fight against Manny Pacquiao, but no, they weren't. And in all honesty, I'd be a bit pissed off about that because, hey, you know, my dad just scored the biggest you know, victory of his career, and I wasn't there to celebrate with him when he when he got it. I'd be honest, that, that would really suck to not see your dad get the biggest victory of his career. So his son Aldo is trying to get a visa to go with his father, but apparently his visa expired last year, so they have to make an early morning trip to the American Embassy and see if they can get it renewed in time. And this pretty much leads to the end of the episode. There's the uh, ending montage, the narration about boxing, the sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. We've heard this all before. So, you know, all in all, this was a good 24-7 series. They kept it short and simple, which is how they should do it. I mean, just keep it to two episodes. And yeah, it won't be so painful for me. Now, my official prediction on who is going to win next Saturday's fight between Juan Manuel Marquez and Timothy Bradley. Both of these men have tremendous abilities. Marquez, like fine wine, is getting better as he gets older, and Bradley has shown that he can display a toughness in the ring that may not deliver knockouts, but can make opponents know they're in trouble. We've seen Tim Bradley take some hard shots before, from Ruslan Provodnikov and Manny Pacquiao. But a great example of his ability to take a punch and recover might have been displayed in his fight with Kendall Holt. Down in the first round from a left hand shot that would have stopped any other fighter, Bradley got up immediately and went on to control the fight and get the decision. For this fight, Bradley must not let whatever beast lays inside his soul get out of control. If he decides to stand and trade with Juan Manuel Marquez, it's going to be a lot of trouble for him because we know that Marquez can crack. However, I'm looking for Bradley's speed and work rate to be the deciding factor here. That's why I am picking him to win a very, very close decision in what should be a classic fight. Anyway, that's our show for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us at www.boxingforfree.com 
Twitter.com slash boxing for free, YouTube.com slash boxing for free, and Facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Zoom, and Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, please give us feedback and a rating to let everyone know that Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.